0: The Daily Rios, for May 10th, 2013. It's that time again. Thank God it's... Is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Hey, you fall Tuesday,
1: even start. It's in love. hey
0: everyone, welcome back. This is Peter, closing out another week on the Daily Rios. I'll apologize ahead of time for uh, my asthma, if I you hear any wheezing or anything, and if there's any noise outside. That's the problem about recording midday. Uh, you know, get some noise here and there outside my window. So what has been going on in the past two weeks on the Daily Rios? We had Tower episode 6 and 7, we had two more Marvel Now Report Card episodes, uh, obviously New Comics Wednesday. And I kicked off the last two weeks since the last Feedback Friday episode with uh, a short Monday clip featuring uh, a segment from the Gong Show that I used to love when I was a kid called uh, called Gene Gene the Dancing Machine. And I put that out there because... I had just watched Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, a uh, George Clooney movie, with what really should be one of my favorite actors. And I'm surprised that he's not on my list, but he is now Sam Rockwell. Just a fantastic movie. Um, and I loved The Gong Show. And I loved Gene Jean, Jean, The Dancing Machine. And um, that was also when there was some craziness going on in the comics blogosphere because. Um, Comics Alliance had had announced that they were shutting down and all that, and I'm sure some people probably thought that that very up music that they play with Gene uh, Jean Jean, Gene the Dancing Machine, which is uh, j- uh, dancing at the jumping at the woodside, they probably thought I was playing that because of the announcement of Comics Alliance ending. But no, it was actually because I had just seen Confessions of a Dangerous Mind and. Um, I don't know. I just wanted something short and simple to put out on that Monday episode. And then yesterday, I closed out, or yesterday, I I put out an episode for Thursday, uh, a clip that was brought to my attention by Scott Ludwig on Twitter, which was a commencement speech by the late David Foster Wallace called This Is Water. And there's a link on the episode page if you want to go check out the video. It's a really cool video. Um... In that video is the idea that in an effort to centralize ourselves within the larger framework of society, we often hit what David calls a default mode that ultimately is exclusive of everyone else, Um, you know, our needs at the sacrifice of others. And that through education and knowledge and choice, the ability to choose and decide what matters and what doesn't, that's where we find the capital T truth. That's where capital T truth emerges. Now the episode, yesterday's episode, is a clip of a larger YouTube clip of a much larger speech that delves into so much more, especially with the idea of worship and what that means in a non-religious sense and who we are and why we are and all this other stuff. So. To the smaller clip, I like that notion. I like that notion of choosing and being able to decide what matters and what doesn't. And that we're taught to pay attention. And when we don't, we're just part of the default setting. And that's certainly not a place I want to be. And a lot of that commencement speech speaks to what I uh, think about when I think about the Daily Rios. So just a really cool clip. So if you haven't heard it, do yourself a favor and, and listen to it. And one other thing before we jump into the feedback. Uh, If anybody listens to the New Comics Wednesday episodes, maybe last week or the week before that, I mentioned that the punk rock Jesus trade was going to have some new content that wasn't in the individual issues. So Sean Gordon Murphy on Twitter opened up his feed to questions, and I asked him if that material in the trade, that new material, if that would be made available or could it be made available digitally to those of us that supported the singles? And I wanted to make sure I used that word, support. Um, So now his reply was, I'm not sure, that's DC's department. I posted most of them on DeviantArt for people to see. Uh, And you can go to SeanGordonMurphy.DeviantArt.com to look at that artwork. But there's no dialogue, so that's not quite what I want either. Uh, It struck me a bit weird that he would hand it off to DC so quickly, considering it's his project, but I'm not privy to that relationship, so I'm sure there's more to it in terms of what can be put out there. Um, I'm sure it has to go through DC or Vertigo. So I'm not entirely satisfied with that answer, but uh, I'll just wait until the trade is at a library or on the shelf, and I'll see for myself what I'm missing without actually buying it. Um, You know, If a creator owns the material... Uh, I think it's worth getting new content in a trade out there digitally, and and stopping this uh, double dipping mentality. Um, uh, I think it would be a nice thank you to those people who supported single issues. So outside of the big two, if that's available, if that's an option that's available to creators, I think they they should uh, they should do it. I think it would garner trust. I don't know if that's the right word, but it it, it would certainly make me feel better about supporting the issues, Um, you know, if if a trade keeps coming out and there's new material, and another trade comes out and there's new material, but I'm buying the singles, then I'm probably going to stop buying everything altogether. And then you just lost a customer. So, either way, it was an interesting back and forth. So, to the feedback, we have Chris Beckett. Uh, Your preface to the Marvel Now report card episode reminded me of the time a group of us all couples with geek guys and understanding women went to see X-Men 3. Now, the preface that he's talking about is when I mentioned that my reviews are for those particular issues themselves, and if I rate anything, it's not because I'm trying to rate them against every other comic that came out in existence. I'm just really talking about that particular project itself. So uh, that's what he's uh, referencing here. Uh, so he went to see X-Men 3 and he continues After the movie we went out to eat and discuss the film. We went around went around the table giving our ratings and I gave it a 3.5 out of 5. The fellow who started the conversation was surprised and didn't understand why I graded it so high. I explained that I was judging it on my expectations of what this type of film should do rather than judging it against Oscar nominated films or small indie dramas. He saw my point which didn't keep him from going off on it, but that's Izzy. One can certainly judge all film along a singular track, or comics, or books, or TV, but it's also an apples-oranges thing. I watch Mission Impossible for one reason, and I watch The Seventh Seal for another. They aspire to different ends, and I can appreciate that and enjoy them on their own level. Which is not to say that I don't fall into the trap of making broad biased statements, especially regarding the debate of indie comics versus corporate comics. But I try not to do that as often as I might have in the past. Brian Hibbs was actually the first one to call me out on that in an interview I did with him when I first started writing about comics online, and I've always appreciated that. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with some of my theater background and classes I took while I was in college, a script analysis class, several contemporary novels classes, or modern plays, uh, those liberal arts courses where you really are, are discussing the material and being challenged on your thoughts, um, you know, to go back to the opening theme here on this episode, being, you know, talking through your thoughts and, and making sure they're coming from a place that is um, within the material that you're talking about. And yes, it's it's fun to speculate, and it's, and it's fun to... Talk about stuff um, that you may have wanted to see, or your expectations, or the hype, et cetera. But I-, I find that the material has enough discussion in it itself. So that's that's ultimately the point. And and one thing doesn't exist because another thing exists. You know, they they're they're their own things. And this actually brings to mind uh, a Twitter back back and forth exchange that I came across. That um, let me look it up real quick. Okay, so this is this was when the Eisners were announced, and there was a lot of back and forth about the lack of superhero comics and lack lack of um, corporate comics, and there was an exchange that went from between Janine Schaefer, who's an editor at Marvel, and Heidi MacDonald of uh, the Beat, and also Brian Wood, and Janine. Um, Uh, initially responded to something that Heidi was talking about and says, uh, sort of bummed by this, to be honest, your mileage may vary, but Capes comics are made by people who work hard to do their best and sometimes beautiful work. To which Heidi countered, of course there is great work that is not literary indie stuff, but Suzanne Collins didn't win a Pulitzer either. To which Janine, if you know who Suzanne Collins is, she's the author of uh, The Hunger Games, And Janine countered and said, I don't get this. Mainstream comics as a whole isn't analogous to a single author. And then Heidi says, Very true, but I would argue that most superhero comics are more commercial in their aims than a drawn-in quarterly or no-brow, which is a a graphic art illustration uh, publishing group, um, I think, out of the UK. So then Brian Wood counters and said, I don't think commercial goals are incompatible with worthiness. Even Pulitzer winners aim for success. And then uh, Heidi conti- uh, ends it all by saying, True, but to bring this full circle, every year some faction complains about the Eisners. It's a seesaw. So, there's first of all, there's several humorous things about that back and forth. But to go back to the debate of indie comics versus corporate comics, you know, that's exactly what they were talking about. So you had an editor from Marvel and Brian Wood, who was all over the publisher map, um, countering uh, Heidi's claims that, you know, just because they're Cape comics, uh, that there's no value in them, right? And, uh, you know, Janine Schaefer certainly works in corporate comics, um, Brian Wood works in and out of corporate comics, and um, you know they, they really didn't quite understand what she was getting at. And what I found interesting was every time they countered one of her claims, she kept moving the goalpost, right? So, Janine started off by saying, hey, even in Capes Comics, people are doing work, and they're excited about work, and they're excited about working at DC and Marvel, and they're getting stuff out there, and they're doing their best. And um, you know, then she counters by saying, hey, look, you know, yeah, just because it's mainstream, you know, Susan Collins isn't going to win a Pulitzer. And and then she says, yeah, but mainstream comics aren't analogous to a single author. You know, just because they're mainstream comics doesn't mean that they all have the same voice or the same feel. And then Heidi backtracks and, and says, oh, okay, yeah, you know what, yeah, you're right. And then changes her argument and says, but I would argue that most superhero comics are more commercial in their aims than certain indie publishers, which Brian Wood then says, "Wait a minute, I don't think commercial goals are incompatible with worthiness, you know." And he's right. You what? You think just because someone puts out a book through fanographics they don't want them to be commercial? They don't want them to be successful, uh, you know? And he says even Pulitzer winners aim for success. I mean, that ultimately is a goal. Um, and then she ignores that and sidesteps that and says. And, and as she says, brings it back full circle, and says, "You know what? Every year somebody complains about the Eisners, and you know you sort of want to go, yeah, you really didn't have a well thought out argument there, did you? Not when Brian Wood and and, and you know is, is coming at you, uh, you know, to try to uh, fine tune your point, and and you really realized that you had no point anyway. Anyway, long story short, um, that was a complete tangent. It's just one of those moments that I was glad I was there to see it." Um, All right, let's keep going. Eric from Longbox Podcast said, Did you ever post pics of those sketches you mentioned in Tower Episode 6? He's talking about the Donna Troy sketches, a lot of the Wonder Girl stuff that I get, and I was digging through some stuff and found some. I'm going to post them up on Tumblr at some point. Bill Dowdy writes in uh, through Twitter and says, It says a lot about the something-for-everyone nature of Marvel now that two of your least favorite are two of my very favorites. Those would be Avengers Assemble and Fearless Defenders. To which I said, sure, you know, they that's, I can understand that. Those two titles feel similar in that they are um, not necessarily playing within the larger Marvel Universe bubble. Um, and then Cullen Bunn even chimed in uh, to, to thank Bill, uh, you know, and that made me think, you know, I can remember talking to Cullen back in, in early CGS days, 2006, before Sixth Gun and before his work at Marvel, when he and Brian Hurt did a book called The Damned from Oni. Um, which we spotlighted in one of our indie challenges. And that was a segment that I really liked on CGS because it gave us a chance to um, counter the claims that, that we were only DC and Marvel-focused, which just wasn't true. You know, we brought a lot of titles and creators to the forefront as best we could. You know, Colin Bunn and David Peterson's Mouse Guard and uh, Joshua Halefialkov alkov when we talked to him with his uh, Elks Run book. Um, Jonathan Hickman's debut book, Nightly News, Kevin Mellon, Slave Labor Comics, Viper Comics. Um, We brought Ape Comics, Ape Entertainment out to the masses, and um, Archaea. You know, we did a lot of stuff with Archaea, Dennis Hopeless, so many more. So, uh, you know, good stuff, good stuff. I I, I remember that uh, segment fondly. Um, Speaking of something for everyone, here's an audio
1: comment from Ryan Senyo. Hello, here, This is uh, Ryan saying, calling, and I'm just, uh, well, not calling and sending in a voicemail. Um, and I'm going to do to you what I have repeatedly done to um, Robert Briscoe over at the XCast, Because uh, a lot of people actually think that for some reason, just because I like something, that I'm a fanboy or that I just agree with everything that someone says. And I want to disprove that with you, particularly. Um, in your May 2nd episode, you said that... Stuart Innaman's replacement on um, All-New X-Men, Marquez, isn't as good as Innaman, and and that is a true statement, Um, but I feel like you kind of shortchanged him a little bit. I think that All-New X-Men has the superior art team. I love Chris Chris Pacello, but the replacement they have, starting with, I think, Issue 4, is such a drastic change and so horrible. And and I know that it's not like you, you praise the the art either, because Chris Pacello is amazing and so is Stuart Inemann. But um I think that the art team on All New X Men is a lot more consistent. And I didn't think I was gonna like the art originally, but then it grew on me. I realized that it wasn't it, like it's not that it's it's not studentemen like what the things you said how he he breaks up the panels and like just says fuck it I'm gonna do two page spreads, yeah that that is studentemen but like the, the art's not bad and it carries over and it 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 gels together well enough that I I read it as I'm reading through issues one through ten and I almost don't even notice the difference I mean I notice it because I'm I'm an art major I'm a graphic designer so I notice these things but. I think you're really kind of giving this guy the short end of the stick here because um, he's doing an excellent job. I think – I mean when you when you say that All-New X-Men is fantastic and that what Brian Michael Bennis is doing is fantastic, you are right there. I just – I wanted to call you out because I think you're wrong, um, and I wanted to be fair. So uh, thank you. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, so he
0: he's bringing up uh, the notion that uh, on All-New X-Men – the change from Stuart Eminem to David Marquez uh, felt a little more consistent than the change on Uncanny X-Men from Chris Pichardo to Fraser Irving, and I certainly agree with that. I, you know, Fraser Irving's style is much different than Chris Pichallo. Um I I actually am a big fan of Fraser Irving. I like his stuff. I I, I enjoy the the um, the artistry behind it. Um, and yes, while it is certainly true, David Marquez's work was in line with what Stuart Eminem was doing. Um, I still felt it was it was Stuart Eminem light. So uh, I, I certainly understand Ryan's point, though. Uh, you know he, he brings up that that Marvel tried to keep something a little more um, connected in terms of the art for all new X Men, which I think is a very smart thing because Stuart Immonen's artwork on that um, is also part of the larger story, is helping to push the larger story and uh you know you can certainly say the same for uncanny x-men but you know if you, when you're when you're bringing in someone like frazier irving i doubt they're going to try to ape someone like uh chris Pachala, you know especially cuz frazier irving has uh you know his really really has his own style and own sense of of panel layout and color and flair and design so um yeah good point good point Ryan. um and finally here we have joe Caples. He said, this is from Twitter, he says, I finally subscribed to your podcast today after the dust-up, so thank you for listening, Joe, and and all the new listeners um, who either messaged me or emailed me or private messaged me. Um, it's good to know that um, people are out there listening. Uh, Jill, she emailed and said about, um, she wanted to know if I was ever going to do some more TV talk and what I was watching. I'm still catching up on a lot of the same stuff I've mentioned before, Smallville, Walking Dead, but, uh, I did get, get caught up in Splash, that reality show on ABC where the uh, actors and um, celebrities had to dive off of you know crazy heights and, and all that. That hooked me in. I was all in it. I was there for the, for the finale. I was so excited about the finale. Uh, I'm sort of sad the way it went down. But, um, yeah, it was good. It was good. And, and what I mean by that is one of the di- – Nicole Eggert – um, it, it came down to Nicole Egbert and, um, wow, I just can't remember the other guy's name, Ryan or something like that, um, and Nicole dived, and Nicole's dive ended in a in a massive, crazy flop, and the audience had to pick the winners and they picked the other guy, and, and rightfully so, but yeah, I kind of wanted it to be between two really good dives and two really good divers, um, not that one had a, a sloppy accident and um, and they picked the other one, so I don't know. But anyway, I, I liked it. It was a lot of fun. If they wa- if they do it again, I probably will watch. Um, all right, we'll-, we'll wrap up with an iTunes comment that uh, I just had to get to uh, because it made me laugh. This is from Ash Jason Frederick. Get it? Ash from uh, Army of Darkness. Jason from Friday the 13th, and Frederick or Freddy from um, Nightmare on Elm Street so this person couldn't use their real name because they're a sham. Um, they write, Rios only really works in small doses and a daily podcast isn't the right venue for him. Now, let's count how many ways this doesn't make sense. Again, to go back to sort of the theme of this episode at the top of the episode where I talk about what matters and what doesn't. This is where comments like this, really the default is is to attack, right? There's There really is no... Uh, truth behind any of this. It, it, it smacks of agenda, and and that's why, ultimately, it can be brushed aside. But um, I had to point out why it was so wrong and why it didn't make sense. So, first off, they say, I only work in small doses. Well, if you've listened to the Daily Reels long enough, you know that some of these episodes only last a minute. So there you go. That's a small dose. Um, and looking at some of the other iTunes comments that this quote-unquote person left... They mentioned that they've been a CGS listener since episode 6. So there again, if I only really work in small doses, why the hell were you listening that long? <laughs> and to the to the nature that the daily podcast isn't right, well, you do realize that CGS eventually turned into a daily po- podcast quite early. And I'm like, I don't know, was it 2007, 2008, where we started to put out five episodes a week? And it was only uh, once I had left that they uh, you know brought it back down to fewer episodes a week. So the entire comment just doesn't make sense and it's you can just read the agenda screaming through it all so you know look you can be critical i don't i don't care i don't take any of it uh, personal uh, but really just be consistent right that's really what you should do it devalues your attempt to knock me down when you're not consistent so there you go anyway speaking of podcasting chris parton the comic addict is back which you can find at comicaddiction.net uh, he's been a co-host on many podcasts, but now he's going back into the sol- solo podcasting game, which is something he's been doing you know, way before uh, the Daily Rios. Um, but uh, that's really cool that he's back. He started with episode 119.1 and the newest episode 120, so go to comicaddiction.net if you like solo podcasting. Because contrary to what some people say, we are not out here talking to ourselves. We are out here talking to you, the listeners, and sometimes to other podcasters. So there you go. That's it for The Daily Rios. That's it for Feedback Friday. You can reach me at peter at or go to the website to leave a comment. Follow me on Twitter, Peter J. Rios, and I will see you all next
1: week.